Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. My name is Paul Ellis, and I'm your host for these programs about developments in this fast-growing industry. Building a global capital market that accelerates universal access to safe water and sanitation is water equity's mission, and it's at the core of global sustainable development. In addition to being a key determinant of improved health outcomes, gender equality, and resilience to climate change, it is also a driver of overall economic growth. I'm very pleased to have Paul O'Connell, President of Water Equity, and Gloria Mirioni, Head of Sustainable Finance and Impact Investing, Acre Americas, as my guests for this episode of the Sustainable Finance Podcast. They're joining me to discuss how water equity is using the capital markets to tackle United Nations Sustainable Development Goal number six, ensuring availability and sustainable management of water and sanitation for all. But first, I'm going to say a few words about our sponsor. If you're tuning in to this podcast, you already understand the crucial role finance plays in the transition to a sustainable future. With the right individuals leading the way in top companies, sustainability becomes more than just a buzzword. That's why we're excited to have Acre as our sponsor. As a world-leading sustainability search and recruitment company, Acre enables organizations to create real change by embedding and developing purpose-driven people in their teams. Visit the Acre website to learn more about their latest opportunities or to get in touch about building your perfect team. Hello, Paul and Gloria, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Thank you, Paul. Good to see you all today. Yes. I'm glad that you could both join us today. And we're going to open today's program a little bit differently. Uh, We'll get to all of the questions that we want uh, your response to, but we're experiencing on a planetary scale this summer the intensity and the impact of not only rising temperatures uh, around the the planet but also water shortages and uh, water issues uh, in in so many countries now and i just wanted to make sure that our audience is aware that's one of the things that's on our minds as we're talking about the opportunities that we have with water and sanitation as well so paul if you have any uh, anything you'd like to add to that and gloria i'd appreciate it uh, happy to do that paul and and look firstly let me say many thanks for uh, for giving uh, me and water equity the opportunity today it's it's very good to have the chance to have this conversation uh, i was struck this morning i think the uh, ocean boys off the coast of florida recorded a water temperature of 101 or 102 degrees uh for the first time which uh it, it highlights the timeliness of this conversation uh as you say it's been uh, an extraordinary period this summer of um surprising uh, to some, but to others expected devastation and suffering uh, really across the Northern Hemisphere. And I think it, uh, as I say, it makes it very, very timely to have uh, this conversation against the backdrop of the impact on real people. You know, these aren't just uh, academic investigations or, you know, intellectual discussions of, of, of water volume and greenhouse gases. This is having real impacts on the ground every day. Yes. Thank you for those remarks, Gloria. So 
I think Paul has summed it up really well. I think as as someone who supports the investment community, specifically in this case, someone who who is investing in water and infrastructure, we're recognizing every day globally that our clients need the right people to help support their investments, but also just from a regular observation, being a regular citizen, it's sad and it, it needs additional resources put toward this. So thank you, Paul, for what you do. Yes, well, thank you both very much for joining us today. And Paul, we're coming back to you with our first question, which is about the vision of water.org's founders. How did that inspire you to join them as an investment manager for their cause, which uh, if you give us just a little bit of history, a little bit of background on that as part of your answer, we'd appreciate it. Uh, absolutely, yeah. So, uh, you know, in terms of my own uh, motivation, my, my background is in uh, economics and investment management. So I've always been casting around to find those uh, causes those uh, uh, development goals that lend themselves best to um, uh, to really, uh, I'll go so far as to say, kind of a hard-nosed capitalist approach to solving them. And um, you know what's interesting about uh, water is that it is one of the uh, causes that really does lend itself to that kind of approach. Uh, Water.org, it was uh, founded by uh, Gary White and Matt Damon, and uh, I would say for the first part of its history, it uh, acted very much as a traditional nonprofit organization uh, looking to funnel philanthropy into the water and sanitation crisis across, uh, across the world. But over time, both Gary and Matt realized that that was never going to be enough to tackle the water and sanitation crisis. You know, today, uh, you know, one in four people don't have access to, to, to safe, reliable sanitation and one in nine don't have access to, to, uh, to water. So they began to think and, and in, in the process of thinking it through and going out into the field and seeing what was happening on the ground, they came to the realization that what was needed was capital. And that uh, meshes very well with the way I think about the world. Uh, so when I first uh, joined uh, the water.org board back, uh, gosh, must be seven, eight years ago, um, uh, light bulbs started going off in terms of what we might be able to do to really accelerate the application of capital to this problem. Okay. Well, thank you very much for those uh, opening remarks. And Gloria, did you, was there anything that you wanted to add uh, to Paul's remarks regarding uh, the, the, the history and the, and the founding of water.org? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, just from uh, an observer's perspective, having seen the, the growth of water.org and now water equity, I think it's part of what I love to do in supporting people like Paul who are putting the capital markets to work to solve real you know, ESG-focused issues and tackling the SDGs. So I'm thrilled to be part of this conversation, quite frankly, and uh, committed to this cause as well, personally and, and professionally. That's terrific. Well, thank you very much. Now, Paul, you've mentioned briefly here, uh, and let's go back to this uh, thought or this idea that uh, 
Water is particularly attractive as a capital market type of, of strategy. Uh, and uh, the combination of that with the sustainable development goals, number six, uh, makes it even more powerful uh, as an argument for why investors and asset managers should be deploying. Is that correct? Yeah, that's uh, that's that's exactly how uh, I think about it, Paul. Uh, you know, many of the things that we're focused on from uh, a, a philanthropic or development perspective um, are what we call public goods, right? So um, let's take immunization, right? Vaccination and immunization. That that's a a public good because we depend on herd immunity to protect the population uh, or climate. Uh, which we'll, uh, I hope we get to talk a little bit more about uh, directly. But climate is is a public good, right? If you, if one person puts a ton of CO two into the atmosphere, everybody experiences the negative externality of that. Now, what's different about water is that it's predominantly a private good. So when you consume water, it's for you. Uh, if you don't have water, you're the one who suffers. And sanitation is is the same. It's a it's a personal dignity element of everyone's life every day, but in an individual or private capacity. Now, what we know, of course, is that markets uh, are a wonderful tool to work with when we have private goods. They, they don't work so well with public goods. We're seeing the struggle with climate change and putting a price on carbon um, in the vaccine space. Um, the Gavi Alliance has worked wonders to get uh, to lower childhood mortality and get shots into the arms of kids, but it has done so using government funds as opposed to private markets. Uh, with water and sanitation, private markets uh, are, are, are a great potential solution uh, to, to get access uh, to people for, for, for what they need. And that's in fact why then, you know, with water.org, as I mentioned, it, it began largely as a nonprofit, uh, as it saw the potential in capital markets, um, it, it stood up the organization, the second organization that, uh, that I lead today, Water Equity. And Water Equity, its sole purpose, we don't raise philanthropic money, we raise money from the capital markets to put to work. Okay. So now, Gloria, this is a, a, a an area, obviously, that you have a personal passion and commitment for as well as business-focused. And one of the things that uh, I understand from, from uh, Paul's information that he supplied to me is that microfinance plays a, a large part in this whole area of developing water and sanitation markets. Now, isn't that something that... Uh, uh, is sort of off the mark or used to be considered off the mark when it came when it comes to capital markets why is why why are someone like you who's been involved with capital markets from a sustainability perspective for many years uh, why was this attractive to you microfinance you know it's it's interesting i um and sometimes i i answer a question by a story but I <laughs> There was um, a, t a talk that I went to probably about 14 years ago, and it was at the Council of Foreign Relations in New York City, and it was about microfinance. There were several speakers that I think told such moving stories about how microfinance loans really helped, whether it's a village or a family, right, right down to 
the impact that it made for the food that that actually was being fed to their young children. And to me, I, I think that just was was so moving. So it 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 forced me to kind of look at, you know, how do I not even forced, but I think it was it was exciting for me to look at how do I integrate the work that I do with, you know, with with how I can be helpful and and provide some type of impact beyond myself and beyond my own family. So I think it's personal and it is a story, but I think that's that's the honest answer. Okay, great. Now, Paul, back to for to your perspective from the capital markets, microfinance, that's an interesting concept to be working with, uh, especially when you're making small loans to households uh, to help them improve their access to water and sanitation when they're surviving or at least living on less than earnings of about $4 a day. How does that work and how many of these loans are actually being fully repaid on schedule? Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you asked and Gloria, I'm glad you you know you brought in the the notion of a story here because that's exactly, you know, the kind of thing that that lies behind this. Um our founders Gary and uh and Matt, they they wrote a book last year called the worth of water and they tell uh they tell a great story in there which was the aha moment when they realized that microfinance as a means of getting credit to people who need water and sanitation uh, actually is highly likely to work and and here's the insight unlike most products all of us consume water every day and all of us consume a sanitation service every day it's not like education or, you know, um, a new moped to get around your, your you know, your, 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 your city or what have you, where, where there's an option. Uh, or even healthcare. At times, people choose not to, to take healthcare as a service. We all use water and sanitation every day. What does that mean? It means we're all spending resources to get that every day, whether we see them or not. So we have women in Africa walking one, two, sometimes three hours a day to get water, almost always women. We have uh, families um, in the Philippines paying 60% of their disposable income to get uh, bottled water because the water that's available in the, in the urban supply is not, is not safe. However you slice it, you're spending resources to get water and sanitation. So the insight was, well, hang on a second. What if we can provide some financing to these people that would allow them to put in a cheaper, durable, safe, and long-term solution to their water and sanitation needs? Um, instantly, the money and resources they would save from spending on higher sources would be available to pay back that credit. And that is the kernel of how it works. So just to round it out, um, I can give you uh, another example of back to back to the idea of stories. Comida, K-O-M-I-D-A, is a savings and loan group we work with in Indonesia, uh, predominantly providing small loans to women to get water and sanitation. The typical loan is about $315. And a woman would take out that loan, usually in a group, a group loan, um, for maybe a year and a half, two years, and pay that back 
um, with about a payment of around $4 a week. And instantly she gets access to water or sanitation. The day, the day the loan comes and it's installed, she gets instant access. And then she's only paying $4 a week instead of what was before 10, 12, $15 a week to get those services. And, and can I, I just want to add one other thing in too, because I, I think, you know, while, you know, to your point, Paul, how it's predominantly women, right, who are walking that three hours a day, I think also their children are participating in that event of walking hours for water. They're not going to school, right? So this allows their children to also go to school, right? When they have clean water and they, they do have this, this microfinance loan and, and their, their children can go beyond, right? Maybe become a nurse or, you know, have an education. If children don't have to walk those three hours or four hours a day to source water, they can be in school. That's a very important uh, statement that you've you've made about the, that kind of family situation, Gloria. And I think it, it intersects with uh, an important question for Paul, and that is, where does the water and sanitation crisis we're experiencing on the planet intersect with climate change as a much larger topic and a much bigger issue? Yeah, so, you know, that that's a, that's a great point to put on the table. The United Nations uh, leads uh, when it comes to climate. They say the climate crisis is a water crisis. You know, these are it. It's it, it, it. You know, sometimes we tend to think of these as separate things. You know, if you look at uh, the narratives in the press, if you look at the Sustainable Development Goals, we have SDG six, which is the one we work on, Sustainable Development Goal six, which is about water, and then you have other ones to do with climate. The truth is, climate change is fundamentally about water, because how can we live without water and sanitation through uh, catastrophic climate events, hurricanes, typhoons, what have you? Um, how can we stay cool and hydrated, as we're seeing even in the US, as heat indexes climb without water? If you're going to run, uh, you know, in developed markets, if you're going to run HVAC systems, you need water. I mean, water, the, the water is the one ingredient that will help us adapt to climate change um, more so than any other one. So oftentimes when people, you know, talk about climate and, and water, it's interesting. The entire water infrastructure only contributes about 1.8% of global greenhouse gas emissions. So it's it's it on its face, it's not a major contributor. It's about two thirds of air travel. So you know, some people think, wait a second, water is not central to the climate crisis. We should be focused on other things. What's what they forget is that to survive and thrive in a world where the climate is changing we will need water and and that goes to the you know the two elements i sometimes think about there's the um the the amplitude or the variability of climate right the the the, the fires the natural disasters what we're seeing in greece right now um those crises need immediate water and sanitation uh but then there's also the slow trend change in the climate where we see water basins get depleted 
we see uh, stress on agriculture producing uh, areas, which in turn feed into national security considerations and so on. Those are all sort of slower burn, but equally serious concerns. Uh, and all of them come back to water. So that's what I would say, inextricably linked. Okay. Now, Gloria, your, uh, your firm puts together uh, many opportunities for people to participate across all sectors of the economy in sustainability-focused um, corporate and other um, job opportunities. How, from your perspective at the global level, uh, can we accelerate progress towards Sustainable Development Goal number six, at the same time that companies are developing positions for people within their infrastructure to support their overall goals related to water as well. Mm. Well, you know, I think Paul, you know, Paul's comment, uh, and it's I've heard it before that you know the climate crisis is a water crisis. I think what what we're seeing just globally from our client needs and, and, and client uh, portfolio of projects is that there are more opportunities across climate funds, across corporates where there's a need for talent that understands the elements of investing in climate, or it could be decarbonization, it could be carbon footprint, it, you know, it, it really, there are so many different elements of climate investing and climate in general that we're having to scale up and, and get smart about, uh, as well as find and identify the right talent for our clients. So climate and water, are, it's, it really, it's a hand in hand opportunity for us to not only assist in the SDG six, but also uh, across other SDGs and make a dent. Gloria, could could, could I just ask a, a quick follow up on that? Because I, I think that's interesting. Do, do you, uh, as in, in, in what you're seeing out in the in, in the marketplace, do you uh, think that corporations and others are doing this in their own self interest, their own you know business interest to maximize their own shareholder value because they feel like they're you know, their, con their consumers and customers want it? Or do you see something more that there's kind of a recognition that long-term viability of uh, and the welfare of, of, of the planet and humanity is going to be governed by some of these decisions? It's such a great question because I think I, I personally have conversations where there's an element of both. I think organizations are also trying to address some of the interests of their employees as well right because today many employees want to to work for organizations that are possibly values aligned with with what their interests are we we cover this data all the time our candidates are looking to go to a, a an organization where they can create more impact so it's it there's a i think a larger element of that as opposed to a, a corporation or an organization just checking the box to make sure that you know they they satisfy their shareholders or they're just you know kind of covering what they need to cover and and check that proverbial box but i do think it's it's it was it started as as kind of investor led 
And I think it's also employee-led now. I think the majority of, their, of employees really do feel they want to be aligned from a values perspective. Yeah, I think if, if, that's my, if I could jump in on that, uh, that question also, Paul, I think that this is something that I've seen across a 30-year career in financial services is that uh, the, the initial impetus for addressing issues like water and sanitation might come from a corporate perspective that is, in, is more focused on shareholder value than it is on sustainability development. But ultimately, uh, it gets fully integrated into many companies' perspective on how they want to do business and how they want their company to be seen and supported by consumers on a global scale. And I would say that we certainly are seeing younger generations of consumers and, to Gloria's point, employees taking up the mantle that focuses on those issues equally. At, at least equally with the more uh, focused sustainability issues of the SDGs, for example. That's interesting. So we're just about out of time for today's program, and I want to thank you both for joining us. And this has been a great discussion. Paul, uh, tell us where online our listeners can learn more about water equity and water.org. And how can followers of the Sustainable Finance Podcast contact you with questions about the topics that we've discussed in today's episode? And Gloria, please tell us about Acres contact information and yours specifically as well. Absolutely. So Water Equity, we have our uh, webpage, waterequity.org, and our sister uh, organization, water.org. They are both uh, full-fledged websites with plenty of information on what we're doing um, and uh, the changes that we're trying to bring about. And we love to have these kinds of conversations and engage with audiences on it. So uh, people should feel very welcome to, uh, to, to reach out to us. Gloria? Great. So, and and uh, acre.com, we have obviously our, our uh, Acre webpage. We also post our updated positions on, on our website as well. And people can find me and and reach out to me by email on on the acre.com uh, website also i would just like to say as a plug brave blue world to to uh to um post that as well because that really does underscore a lot of the topics that we we spoke about today and also stories i believe great okay well thank you very much gloria mirioni and paul o'connell and for our listeners if you're ready to take your team to the next level, or if you're an experienced sustainability professional, visit the Acre website to get in touch. With the right individuals leading the way in your company, sustainability becomes more than a buzzword. Let Acre enable real change by embedding and developing purpose-driven people in your teams. And to our followers, join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, and this is the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Oh,